So those of you that were in Sunday school this morning, you're probably thinking, oh, no, not again. <laughs> um, do be in prayer for Bob as he tries to fill the pulpit, uh, that, uh, or the pulpit supply, because he's scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we come before you once again. Father, I would petition you this morning for your grace uh, to abound. Father, I would petition you that you would send your spirit upon each one here, uh, that the words of a sinful man would be clarified, and that there would be enough of your word spoken uh, to bring forth the fruit that you have ordained. Uh, these things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, if you are a mother, I hope that you are made much of today and every day. If your mother is still living, I hope that you make much of her today and every day. Uh, if your mother has passed, as both of mine have, yes, I had to, um, I hope that you are able to make much of the good memories that you have of her today and every day. That being said, this is the church, and this is the Lord's Day, and we are gathered here today of all days to make much of Christ. Uh, we are the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones called out of making much of the world and called into his marvelous light. I come from a background where it was deemed necessary to make much of man on any given holiday, be it Flag Day or Memorial Day or Veterans Day or Independence Day or Groundhog Day or Mother's Day or whatever it happened to be. Uh, whatever the given holiday, it was a requirement to have a special message in honor of whatever person or group was being celebrated, Mother's Day especially. And the requisite sermon text for Mother's Day was always what? You know it. Proverbs 31. So, not to burst your bubble or to disparage mothers in any way, but the Proverbs 31 woman is a myth. Okay? She doesn't exist. She is a pipe dream from Solomon, who is proof, Solomon is proof, that God can give a person wonderful gifts, like wisdom. But that does not mean that the receiver of that gift will always use that gift. And so Solomon, uh, by the providence of God, wrote down for us uh, much of the wisdom that God had given to, to him, and I am thankful for that. But Solomon did not apply that wisdom to himself or to his own life very often. The majority of his life was spent in idolatry and in rebellion against God. So anyway, the inventor of the Proverbs 31 woman, now listen to this, had 700 wives and 300 concubines in an attempt to find the Proverbs 31 woman. 
Guess what? He never found her. Okay, just so you know. But can you imagine? So I teach high school. You know what high school girl drama is like, I'm sure. Can you imagine the girl drama that was taking place in that palace? He likes me better than you. A thousand times a day. Okay, anyway, so women, don't try to hold yourself up to that standard. And if you think you are up to that standard, well, that's unfortunate. So what is the description? We're going to be in First Timothy uh, chapter 2 today and Ephesians chapter 5 and a few other ones. Uh, the title of our message is Submission. And we touched on that a little bit in Sunday school this morning. And the preachers that have been doing the pulpit supply usually get up here and say that my Sunday school lesson ties in with their sermon. Well, today is absolutely a fact because it's the same person. Uh, the description of a truly perfect woman. First Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 8 and through verse 14. <clears throat> I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to ex exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So that is the standard that a woman should be striving for. Mother, grandmother, either or neither. This is the scriptural standard for a woman. We're going to be talking about submission this morning, as I said. And some of you are already mad about it. Because we are a prideful people. We don't like that word Submission. We want to be strong. We want to be assertive. We want to be powerful. Submission is for those that lack any kind of spirit. Submission is for meek people. And Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. You see where I'm going with this. So in light of all the things, we touched on this again a little bit in Sunday school. So in light of all the things going on in the world around us, this is kind of a response to that. You have to admit that the world has gone completely insane uh, just in the last couple of years. Uh, actually, the world has always been insane because... It, it's just the way that the world works. But now the world is proud of its insanity. God has given this nation and the world over to their reprobate minds to do those things that ought not to be done. 
and they are proud of it. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and not just the world, because we expect lost people to do what lost people do, right? Uh, no surprise there. But also in what calls itself itself the church, as God is definitely right now separating the wheat from the tares within his church. As we see one solid reformed pastors now justifying nationalism and abortion and racism and all the alphabet, alphabet abominations that are running amok among us. So what do all these things have in common? Pride. Pride is an abomination in the eyes of God. Well, when we hear the, the first thing you think of when you hear the word abomination, what's the first thing you think of? Gay people, okay? That's, there's several abominations in the scripture, okay? Uh, Proverbs 6, go read it if you don't believe me. Pride is an abomination in the eyes of God. Pride says that I will not submit. That's why the title of our message is Submission. Pride says that I will not submit to anything or anyone except my own desires which revolve around my own happiness. Now, as we said, that is what we expect from the world. But then that mindset makes its way into the church. When that mindset makes its way into the church, those of us who love the Lord, what do we need to do? As Barney used to say, we need to nip it in the bud. I've been part of the visible church for a long, long time. And I have gone through numerous church splits. And every time it happened, there was one root cause. Someone, or someones, plural, came to the conclusion that they were the head rather than a member. Someone forgot their role. They forgot about submission. So, one of the most important statements on submission in Scripture. This is the first one. Uh, and if you come to Sunday school, you know that I can go for weeks on the end on just a verse or two. But So we'll see how far we get. First one, we've got several we're going to cover today. Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 22 through 33. This is, as you read this, this is a picture of marriage, and it is also a picture of the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ. Okay? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's submission, by the way. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, 
without spot or wrinkle or any other such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, this is for wives. Uh, if you're widowed or unmarried, we're going to get to yours in a little bit as we get, we're going to cover everybody. Anyway, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. How submissive is that? Okay. There's no such thing as separate but equal which is the common theme of some of the feminist movements of today. As we, and we're going to see this as we go on. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. There is no separate but equal. We are his bodies. We are co-heirs. We are his wife, his bride. We are God's children, but we are not equal to Christ. Amen? Okay. So wives should submit in everything to their husbands. The husband is the covenant head of the family. The responsibility for spiritual and material provision comes from the covenant head of the family, the husband. Christ is the covenant head of the church. The responsibility for the spiritual and material provision of the church comes from Christ, okay? The covenant head. Wives, submit to the headship of the husband, just the same as the church submits to the headship of Christ. When either fails to do so, then we are no longer within the will of God, and punishment and correction will soon be forthcoming. Wives, <clears throat> submit to your own husbands, not someone else's. As to the Lord, is he worthy? Probably not. Men are sinful creatures. We are sometimes forgetful. We are sometimes inconsiderate. Many times we don't hold up our end of the covenant. Doesn't matter. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Learn quietly with all submissiveness. If you have a question or a problem, you are to take that problem to your covenant head for the solution, not to each other. That's called gossip. If the church has a question or a problem, where do we take that question or problem to? To our covenant head, to Jesus Christ and his word. You see the parallel. Now, am I saying that women are less than? Absolutely not. But women have a role as a helpmate in the role that God ordained as a helpmate to a man in the role that God has ordained for, has ordained for him. Okay? 
A woman in her role has the power to build unimaginably great things for the kingdom. Outside of that role, lies trouble. Proverbs 14.1 says, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. A woman in her role holds the power to build a family, holds the power to build a home. Outside of that role, it becomes foolishness, and it tears down that family, and it tears down that home. So wives, submit to your husbands. Okay, men, our turn. Time to man up, as they say. It says, husbands, love your wives. Definition of love. Love is a verb. It is not a feeling. Okay? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Husbands, what is your duty to your wife? Whether she submits to you or not. What did Christ do for the church? What does Christ do for his bride, even though we far too often do not submit to him? See the parallel again? He loved loved us, and he gave himself up for us, that he might sanctify us, having cleansed us by the washing of water with the word, She might be holy and without blemish. This is your chief end, husband, to glorify God by giving yourself up for your wife. How much did Christ give up? He spent his entire life in perfect obedience to God, living a perfectly righteous life, so that that life could be imputed to us. It is your commission to wash your wife with the word so that she is as close to holy and blameless as a sinful human can be. It is your job, first and foremost, before any hobby, before any other endeavor, to nourish and cherish your wife just as Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. Because we are members of his body. We are not the head of his body. We are members. We as members do not get to rule over the head of the church. The wife does not get to rule over the head of the family. Back to 1 Timothy 8 and 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. 
For Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So, women are easily deceived. If you don't know that, you don't know me. Okay? That's not a disparagement. That is a fact from the Scripture. Me convincing a wonderful woman to marry a deeply flawed individual like myself 40 years ago is proof that women are easily deceived. Don't need much more proof than that. Actually, Paul's admonition here is proof of that. Okay? Read this carefully, 8, 12 through 14, 1 Timothy. Adam sinned. We all know that. That sin was imputed to all of mankind. Amen? We all know that. That's theology. That's doctrine. All right? Eve was deceived. This scripture insinuates or implies that her sin of being deceived was imputed to all women. Take it as you will. But Paul plainly says, because this happened then, in the garden, because this happened then, this is now the rule that I give you. See how that works? I also personally hold that this applies to every area of life, not just the church. They were in the garden when this happened. They were living life when this happened. Take it as you will. The desire for women to rule over men is a product of the fall. Okay? The proclivity for men to shirk their duties as the covenant head of the home is a product of the fall. The proclivity for both women and men to not want to submit to their covenant head is a product of the fall. And it's called pride. Lack of submission is pride. And anyone refusing to be submissive, whether they be male or female, and there's only two, by the way. I know you all know this, but for some reason I feel like that it's not as obvious as it once was. Anyone refusing to be submissive, whether they be male or female, is in rebellion against God and in rebellion against his word. So what about those who no longer have a husband or never had a husband to submit to or a wife to love? Who are you to submit to? Hebrews 13 and 17 Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Who are your leaders? Who are our leaders? The elders of the church are our leaders. Okay? Every member of the body is to be in submission to the elders of the church. Obey them and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls, and they will have to give an account for your soul. 
I have to give an account for every word I say up here. If it is from Scripture, you have to give an account for having heard it. But the elders, it says not only are they worthy of double honor, they are also accountable for you. The elders will have to give an account for every person that is allowed to stand behind a lectern or this pulpit or in a Sunday school class. For every word taught, they are accountable. Be it themselves teaching or be it a hireling like myself. The elders are the guard against the wolves. The guard against the roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. The elders are keeping watch over your souls to ensure that no false teaching or worldly methodologies are allowed to be taught to you whom they are ordained to lead. They are also the guard against those who are not submissive and who thereby would undermine the peace and prosperity of the church through gossip or unrepentant sin. They guard against those who stir up strife among the brethren. Go back to Proverbs 6, what I said, you remember what I talked about? Abomination. God says that those who stir up strife among the brethren are an abomination. Those who go around whispering and finding faults with the brethren are an abomination. The elders are the guard against that. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment from the Lord. Obey them and submit to them. If they ask you to do something for the peace and prosperity of the church, what are you supposed to do? Do it. If they ask you to stop doing something for the peace and prosperity of the church, what are you supposed to do? Stop doing it. Only in the case of an abandonment of the scriptures are they ever to be questioned. It's that simple. The elders of this church are ordained, anointed, and they are accountable to guard your souls. If you find yourself going behind their backs and stirring up strife and division and dissension because they hurt or ignored your feelings or whatever other reason you can come up with, then you are in sin. You are in rebellion against God, and you are in terrible danger because it causes harm to the peace and prosperity of the church. We are to submit to the elders. Every one of us. Moving on. Who else are we to submit to? Ephesians 5, 20 and 21. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. What does it look like when you submit to one another? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. 
Do nothing. How much is nothing? That's nothing, okay? Zilch, nada. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Is your opinion or your desire different from the, from the majority of the body? Keep it to yourself. Unless it is a matter of scriptural integrity. Selfish ambition is pride. Conceit is pride. Pride is an abomination. Be humble. Count others as being more significant than yourself. So here's the mindset. What you want is far more important to me than what I want. Because what I want most of all is the peace and prosperity of the church. You see how that works? That's the mindset. It's not always the one that I entertain because I am a sinful human being. But that is the mindset. That's the goal. Because the peace and prosperity of the church is how we show reverence for Christ. We are to submit to one another. Finally, James chapter 4 and verses 6 through 8. There are others. There are many others. But this is the most important and the last one that we have. I'm watching the clock. That's the last one we have time for. There's a lot of other ones. All right. But this one is the most important. Therefore, it says, James chapter 4, 6 through 8, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to, near to you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. First and foremost, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil that causes the pride, that causes you to not submit and that devil will flee from you. Draw near to God. Submission to God is the ultimate submission. The foundation of all other submission. It is only through total submission to God that we finally realize that we have nothing to be proud of. It's when we are outside the will of God, not submitting to him, not submitting to his authority, that we find ourselves inevitably flaunting our own authority, asserting our own wills, trying to be in charge. That's when all of these troubles that we've discussed this morning begin to rise up. <clears throat> Submission is hard. As I said, we are a prideful people, me more than anyone here. You have no idea. How can a prideful people muster humility within themselves in order to submit 
to a husband or to the elders or to one another or even to God. Because face it, we are even very often too prideful to submit to God. So how do we become submissive? By the mercies of God. It is not only God who saves you, it is God who sanctifies you. Make much of God. Make much of Christ. When we stop making much of God and making much of Christ and we start making much of men, fighting against ourselves. Make much of God. Make much of Christ. That's why we exist and that is why we are here this morning. To make much of God. To make much of Christ. See, under my own power, I, 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 there's no submission in me. But I can be submissive because it, because it is no longer I, the prideful, divisive, conceited individual that I am. It is no longer I who lives. But what? Christ who lives in me. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. Amen. So as a summary, when the members of the body, that's us, okay? When the members of the body are in submission to the head of the church, when men are loving their wives, when wives are submitting to their husbands, when the elders are holding themselves accountable for the souls of the body, and every member is submitting and obeying the elders, there is peace and prosperity in the church. But when one member loses sight of their role and thus ceases to function properly, there is pain that is felt by the entire rest of the body. And the more members that become inflamed, the more intense that pain becomes. Now, this is not an appeal to behaviorism because you don't have it within yourself to change your own behavior. This is not an appeal to self-motivation because apart from Christ being in you, you will always be a prideful, selfish, divisive reprobate with no hope of heaven. This is an appeal to self-examination, something that I feel that has unfortunately been lost in what calls itself the American church. Every time we gather around the table, Every morning when you wake up, every night before you go to sleep, are you examining yourself? Is Christ in you? Is he changing you? Is he making you submissive? Is he using you to strengthen and increase the peace and prosperity of the ecclesia? Or is he not? That's self-examination. What is he using you to do? 
Or is he using you? I'm going to close with this. Romans 12 and 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because you can't do it on your own, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A living sacrifice. That means your whole being given over to service to God. That, my friends, is the ultimate submission. Unfortunately, all we want to give God is what we have left over. After we build our kingdom and then we take whatever we have left over from building our kingdom and try to give it to God. It's not going to work. By the mercies of God, by the grace of God, by the power of God, through the gospel of his Son, you can present yourselves as a living sacrifice. You can be holy and acceptable to God. You can overcome your pride by the mercies of God. You can love your wife. You can respect and submit to your husband. You can obey the elders. You can think of others more highly than yourself by the mercies of God and Christ that lives in you. Examine yourself to see if Christ is in you. Let's pray. Father God, I pray your spirit would descend upon us now, that your words be applied to each heart here, including and especially mine, Father, that uh, we would take your word, uh, we would take your commission, give us the strength and the boldness and the desire to take your word to the lost and dying.